Well, it is good to be inside today where the wind isn't blowing. So I'm all over that, all about that today. So uh-huh. let's, uh, let's open up our time and ask the, for the Lord's presence here. He's here. He lives in our hearts, and he's already manifest here. But let's acknowledge that with the way that our hearts can, can welcome him today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We do indeed welcome your presence. We do indeed think of you and know you as our king who comes in to this place across the red carpet of our lives, clothed in majesty and honor, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to be in our worship, that you would be given praise and glory. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, work through the words of my mouth and animate me, Lord. I'm yours to use today. And I pray that you just give glory to yourself, Lord. And we just thank you so much for the privilege of being in this place. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Uh-huh. Well, we're here, and it's usually a very busy time of year, Christmas time. And there are lots of things to take part in. There's decorating and buying Christmas presents and going to Christmas parties and all of those things. And some of us who are really organized have completed all those things on the list. Good on you guys. And then there are some of us who are still working on that, and that's good. Good on you guys too. And then there are those of us who haven't even started yet. So, and God bless you and all that too. So, <laughs> but it's that kind of, but it's kind of that kind of year. And so as I was thinking about some of the things in this message, childhood memories come back because Christmas is always those times of, you know, like when we're young and then if we have kids, when our kids are young and, you know, and just those kind of memories around Christmas. And, uh, I wonder if any of you guys ever have any memories of being separated from your parents in a store around Christmas time. Well, a long time ago, before there was Amazon and before you could just look at all the presents that you want to look at online, you actually had a chance when you were a little kid to go into a store and see the toys that were there. And that was a, a big deal. So at some point, you might be the person who has wandered away from mom and dad and gone to look for the toys. And then after a while, you're going like, where's mom and dad? Gee, I haven't seen them in a little while. And I'm sure that mom and dad are going, where are you? Because you ran off and didn't tell them what you were doing. And I may or may not have been one of those little kids who put my parents through that. I'll have to think about that a little bit. But there are some things that we're going to continue to talk about this morning, like the love of God. You see that focused right in front of me on our display there. And one of the questions I want to ask us this morning, that in the, as we've done life and all that, are there ever times, being like that little kid, that you may have felt separated from God? Have there ever been times in your life where you felt lost? Well, what's really neat about God's word is that he gives us encouragement. There's so much there. And this time of year, we're, we're talking about Christmas. And in this message in particular, we're looking at the words of Isaiah and about God being Emmanuel, our God with us. And so let's look at the first scripture verse here. In Isaiah 7, chapter 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So in addition to what this 
prophecy meant at the time to King Ahaz and Judah and the people of that time. The second part of the prophecy and the thing that really resonates with us that we, we think about a lot is that it foretold the coming of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. People who, who kind of, you know, have those questions about God and his sovereignty, God puts so much about who he is in his word. This prophecy that I just read about Jesus Christ was written 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah foretold the coming of God in flesh coming to earth. Amazing. God is so faithful in that. And for since that time, all of humanity's time, we've been dealing with, and we're still dealing with the issues of sometimes being lost and alone. And putting this in more serious terms, being separated from God and being separated from God because of something we call sin. And sin is just falling short of God's standards. And scripture tells us that we all have sinned. But Isaiah's prophecy is a part of the good news that God came to earth so that we would have the opportunities to make our hearts right with him. And because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that we could be reconciled to him. You see, there was this separation between us and God. God came to fix that, and he would sacrifice himself for us in order that we could be close to him. So we're going to look at some scriptures today of how do we respond, and how do we get encouragement of God, Emmanuel, being with us, and what that means for us today. And one of the first places we're going to look is in the Gospel of Luke. And the angel Gabriel appears to the young Virgin Mary. And it says in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 30, it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I always find it interesting. We're going to look at some other scripture passages here, but usually when an angel shows up, it's don't be afraid. I, I don't know how you would normally deal with us normally. A heavenly messenger comes before you and appears, and it's got to be a little bit of a shock, you know? It's like, because, you know, we as people jump when someone you don't expect comes up and taps you on the shoulder and you didn't know they were there. Can you imagine like an angel appearing before you? But the angel says, do not fear. And uh, in Luke, uh, it continues to, to say that God tells Mary what her part of salvation is supposed to be. That she, you Mary, are now going to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, this is something that is totally unexpected. There's nothing that has prepared Mary up to this point to hear that, and it's nothing that she could have imagined. So, how do you respond to that intersection of God in the flesh coming to the world and how that works in your life? But this is what we can learn from Mary. This is her response. In Luke 1.38, it says, and Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's first response was to declare that she is a servant of the Lord. All these questions are going through her head probably. Okay, 
I'm going to be a mother. This is what's going to happen. But her response is that she would be a servant of the Lord and declare, let it be to me according to your word. That's huge. Mary also responded by worshiping and magnifying the name of the Lord. In, in Luke 46 and 47, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In a prayer time this morning before we started, we were talking about making the name of Jesus big and lifting that up. And that's what magnifying means, like putting a magnifying glass on it, making it large to lift up the, the name of Jesus. And that was Mary's response to the word that God had given her. And Joseph also found out that Mary was expecting. And this is what scripture says in Matthew uh, 1 verses 20 to 23. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what can we learn from Mary and Joseph's attitude to this? There, there are five things that we can remember off the top of our head, and I'm going to come back to these later, that we don't have to be afraid. God loves you has a plan for our lives that we're working in, and we don't have to be afraid of the future circumstances because God loves us. When we hear about God's plan or ask the Lord what we should do, we don't have to be afraid, and we don't have to be afraid to serve, to give ourselves over to God, to choose to serve Him. When we respond to God encountering our lives, we can pray what we learned about in the Lord's Prayer too. It says, thy will be done. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that God's will is done through us. So we encounter God and say, yes, let your will be done. And also what we can learn from Mary and Joseph in this too as well, is that we magnify the name of the Lord, that we make it big, that we take what we know about God's love and sharing the good message of the gospel to people and God's coming into our lives and we raise up the name of Jesus and we rejoice in God, our Savior. I'm going to show you a picture here um, and I wish I'd taken this. This is not one of my pictures, but uh, years ago, there were a bunch of uh, youth and adults at a retreat center north of Saskatoon and this does remind me a lot of what that sky looked like and you have to picture this higher up in the sky because, you know, kids, when they're playing games, were running back and forth in the field at night. And then at the end of the evening, there was a hayride and everyone's on the hayride running around and having fun. And you're so much sometimes watching the people around you. And in the circumstance, you miss sometimes what's happening in the big picture above us. But God had put it on our hearts. We're going to do, have a devotional time and prayer out in the field at that hayride. And 
it's like the Spirit of God just kind of prompted us to look up. And that is what we saw. We saw our galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy, and it's like jaws drop. And you could hear the gasp of everyone, especially there are a bunch of uh, uh, junior high kids and stuff like that, just looking up in the sky. And they're so used to being in the city and having uh, that haze that we have in the city that, wow, you mean that's there? That's the work of God's hands? This is what he's done? And it was what a, really a draw-dropping moment for, for everyone. Now, I can imagine that a scene like this would be close to what the uh, shepherds would be used to, you know, the shepherds working at night with their, their lambs and stuff like that. And this would be an amazing thing. But there was something that happened that was nothing like what those shepherds have ever seen before. And for that, we're going to go back into Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 14. And it talks about the shepherds and the angels. And scripture says, And in that same regions there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were f- filled with great fear. I find that really, really interesting, too, that something as beautiful as the presence of God, you see that with people all the time, dropping before the presence of God. And it's a scary thing because you're confronted with this beauty and holiness of God. And the angel said to them, fear not. This is just one angel so far. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David. Let me try that again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly, you see there's the one angel too. The one angel says, fear not. And then there's this. Um, and suddenly there was a great multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I imagine if, if a first angel kind of made you jump, can you imagine the host of angels, the, the, the angel armies, the uh, holy choirs coming before you and praising God? That's crazy. In Scripture, it tells us that the shepherd's response was obedience. In Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste. They were rushed. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And then later on in the Scripture passage, it says in in Luke 2, verses 18 and 20, it says... And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, and and sorry, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as they had been told. The shepherd's response was to go praising and glorifying God. When we work in our lives and encounter God and God teaches us things, when God, we see glimpses either in, in what he's done in nature, in his word, then we can glorify God by sharing that and telling one another and our friends about how awesome God is and giving glory to him in that way. They responded 
by telling others about how much God loves them with this gift of Emmanuel, God with us. And we see other examples in scriptures. Simeon and Anna, who were senior citizens in the Bible, they waited their whole lives to see Emmanuel. And the next story I'm going to talk to you about isn't one that we would talk about as part of the regular Christmas story, but it's also uh, a way that we respond to God. In, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 and 13, it says, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For we could have sold this, for, sold, this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus was aware of this and said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. It's this beautiful gift, and it's reminiscent of what we've been singing about today, too, that this gift is poured out, this expensive perfume is poured out. And uh, I'm not sure if you... Uh, remember parts of uh, what Pastor Brett had, had uh, talked about last week, but he was explaining in part of his sermon, The Gifts of the Wise Men, he explained how the gold was symbolic of Christ being our king, and he was also talking about how the frankincense is part and symbolic of God and Jesus being our priest, and also he talked about the myrrh, which is used in burial. I wonder in these accounts, and there's more than one account of uh, someone being so moved with who God is, with the love he has shown, the miracles that he has done, the teaching that he's given, that they've responded in a way of pouring out a beautiful, expensive gift, an anointing gift on Jesus. We can respond in that way too. We've been challenged this morning already to give our lives in fullness to Christ, not just uh, bits and pieces here, but Lord, it's all yours, my health, my life, my family, my relationships, it all belongs to you. May that be poured out before you, God, as a beautiful offering, that sweet aroma that fills your nostrils, that you would be well pleased with that gift that we give him. I wonder, the scripture doesn't say in this case and in another case when um, uh, Mary's sister also poured uh, the anointing oil over uh, and perfume over Jesus' feet. It doesn't say that whether myrrh was used or not, but I'm wondering if at one of those times where those ladies had come and worshipped our God in such a beautiful and profound way, whether myrrh was ever used in any of those. We respond to God because he loved us first. And the love of God is amazing. This is what I want you all to hear, that God loves us. The God who created the universe, the God that saw you before you were born, 
the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, the God who knows every hair on your head, counted by number, easier for some of us than others, but God knows all, but he loves you. God loves you. Amen. I know that this time of year, it's such a mix because there's all, like I said before, there's these expectations. We get ready. We try and do things. We're rushing forward into trying to get things done. But God loves you. I want you to, to, to rest in that and be encouraged by that, that God loves you. When uh, Brother Bridal was sharing his message a few weeks ago, he, he warned us about the consequences of being eternally separated from God. And he was talking to us about heaven and hell and, and relationship with God. And the long and the short of it is that no one wants to be separated from God from forever. And no one wants to be eternally separated from God. In John 3, we see Jesus talking with Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that you must be born again. You hear that is as, as a theme that we're singing, like in even in our carols, Heart the Herald Angels sing that um, man no more may die, um, that we might be born again, that the message of Christmas, if you're listening online and maybe you haven't had a chance to put this together before, the message of Christmas is God coming down to connect with our hearts and save us. This is what scripture says, and this is a, the, a famous or well-known pastor, uh, sorry, passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Now, it starts out and says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came by night, so this man, sorry, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can, can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is born of flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I've said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from and where it goes. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these th things be? Um, and Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who is descended from heaven. Again, reference Emmanuel, God with us. The Son of Man. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then we hear these words which are so well known to us and known by so many. And then note the verses that come after them too. In John 3 and 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world, sorry, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lets his works be exposed. But whoever does what is, tr- what is true comes to the light so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In today's scriptures, we've seen different reactions of how people encounter God, how they react to Emmanuel, God with us. We see Mary and Joseph surrendering to God's will. And again, I want to remind us too that we don't have to be afraid. We can live our lives to choose to serve the Lord. We can pray, thy will be done. We can magnify and make big the name of Jesus and make the name of Jesus lifted high. And we can rejoice in Emmanuel, God with us. Like the shepherds, we rejoice in all the good things God has given us. When we see the goodness and the beauty of the love of God, we can respond by giving our hearts to Jesus. We can honor him like the woman who has poured perfume from the alabaster jar on Jesus. At this point, I'll ask the worship team to come back up on platform. For those of us who already know God and call him our Lord and Savior, I pray for times of refreshing for our souls this Christmas time. I do. I I want us to be refreshed. I I don't say that lightly, too. I know that there's so much in this. I, I I pray that we wouldn't become overwhelmed by our circumstances and that we wouldn't be overwhelmed by expectations, that we would let this season of our lives be what God wants it to be for us. And that we would rest in him and ask him for joy beyond our circumstances. I pray that if we're grieving, we can place ourselves in the center of God's will and allow him to wrap his arms of love around us and minister to us. And I would pray that the Lord would heal and encourage all of you and his presence would fill you. But I think one of the most important first steps is is how Nicodemus came to Jesus. Mary and Joseph were, let thy will be done. We will glorify and praise you. The shepherds went glorifying God and praising his name. 
uh, one of the ladies we looked at who brought the alabaster ointment and poured it over Jesus' head, she gave an offering of great importance and significance and in anointing him and a gift of her, her work and of her life. But we need to look at what Nicodemus shows us too, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We know that we've all gone astray and each of us have gone to our own way. And in this, I, I want to give us an opportunity to just to be able to respond to God personally here in this place and for those of you online as well, that you could have a chance to know what it is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to let Jesus be the King of your heart and the King of your life. If you would like to be a Christ follower and give your life to Christ, and you haven't made that decision yet, actually what I'm going to get us to do, I'm going to ask all to, to bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'm going to get you to follow me and repeat this prayer after me. And what we're doing is uh, asking God in this prayer to forgive us of our sins where we've fallen short, and if we haven't given our lives to him, to allow him to come into our hearts and be king of our hearts. So repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, forgive us for falling short. <laughs> forgive us for our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth as a baby, that you came to earth as Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to live. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins. Thank you for dying for my sins. Lord, forgive me my sins. I accept you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior to follow you I choose to follow you, to give you my life. I give you my life. Help me to know you better. Help me to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing me first. Thank you for knocking on the door of my heart. And thank you for coming into my heart. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And while our heads are still bowed and our eyes closed, if there's anyone in this room this morning who this is your first opportunity to uh, meet Jesus, um, with all of us holding our eyes down and our eyes closed, would you stick up a hand? if you have prayed this prayer for the first time this morning. We give Jesus praise in all things. Amen. Lord, we thank you. Anyone like to stick up a hand right now again? Okay, thank you so much, Lord. I appreciate that. Okay. Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we pray blessing for 
those here and online, Lord, who have already made decisions to follow you and those who have newly made decisions to follow you today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we continue on, if you have made that decision um, this morning, please let uh, one of the pastors know, uh, Pastor Phil or Pastor Mandy here today, or, and also you can let one of the altar team, they'll be up at the end of the service too, and uh, let them know about any decisions that you've made or if you have any questions. So we're going to continue in worship right now, and the worship band is going to lead us in our final song. <laughs> 